Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello and welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. I am your host, Trevor Williams. And today on the show, we are talking about something we have not covered before, and that is the process of growing flowers and pumpkins which is super exciting. So um, flowers are a huge multi-billion dollar part of the agriculture industry, which I think gets often overlooked. I mean, flowers are um, beautiful ornamentals that you use for, you know, I mean, vases, flowers for gifts for loved ones and stuff like that. Um, And also, you know, people use them for salads, which is very interesting, but that's definitely a thing. And then in the fall slash winter, Pumpkins are super popular with pumpkin patches, um, of course, with Halloween and Thanksgiving and stuff like that. And so I'm super excited to chat with our guest today, which is Sarah Schaffner from Sweet Thistle Farms in California. So today, Sarah and I chat about her background, what got her started growing both pumpkins and flowers, and how she kind of ramps up for the, the fall and winter Um, season when a lot of people want to go out to pumpkin patches and kind of how she does that, how she has people come out to her farm and see what's going on. They can tour the pumpkins, pick pumpkins and all that good stuff. Um, And also how the whole flower side of things works. Like um, if people can go out there and cut them, what kind of flowers she grows, what that looks like. Like, are you planting with seeds or cuttings or plugs, stuff like that. So it was really neat. I had no clue about a lot of the stuff Sarah was talking about because I've never really talked about growing flowers or even pumpkins, which I don't know if I asked her about this in the episode, but of course, when it comes to pumpkins, I always think about Pumpkin Chunkin' um, on Discovery Channel years ago where, you know, I don't know if you ever watched this, but they would have these giant catapults and these giant cannons that would shoot pumpkins for, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of yards. So that might, I should, maybe should have asked her about that. Like if there are any pumpkins that have been um, sacrificed to pumpkin chunking. <laughs> but um, we actually also had a cool little segment. Um, I asked over on our Instagram page, 
I asked, I was like, hey, if you have any questions about growing flowers or pumpkins, let me know and I will ask Sarah. And we actually had a couple of people submit questions, which were super interesting and I never thought about asking something like this. Um, there are things like, how do you control mildew with pumpkins? What's the best way to market flowers for um, farmer markets? And then, what is the best soil to grow pumpkins and flowers in? So Sarah's gonna answer that and a bunch of other questions. So this is so fun. Um, be sure to check out Sarah on their Instagram page and on their website, which is Sweet Thistle Farms. And all of that will be linked in the description of this show. And you know, um, last week was Thanksgiving. So very thankful for everybody listening to this episode. We are now in the home stretch of 2021 in December. It is December 1st. And this is episode 131 with Sarah from Sweet Thistle Farms. I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, I had a blast talking with her. And if you want to see more of our content, you know where to go. Go to thefarmtraveler.com. And always, as usual, check us out on Instagram and Facebook and enjoy the episode with Sarah. Okay, thanks. Enjoy it. All right, well, Sarah, welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. How are you doing? I'm good. It's nice to be with you, Trevor. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to chat with you, um, learn more about pumpkins and flowers and all that good stuff for your operation. So kind of before we dive into that, tell us a little bit about you and kind of um, your background and how you got started with Sweet Thistle Farms. All right. Um, my name is Sarah Schaffner. I'm out here in California. I grew up here and Sweet Thistle Farms started in 2019 uh, I found myself in the Central Valley. I got married and moved from Northern California down here, and I didn't have a lot of friends. I was working a desk job, which isn't really enjoyable to me, um, and wanted to be back outside or more on, on a farm setting. And so um, one of my girlfriends and I kind of got together and we're like, oh, let's start a flower farm. And... <laughs> So we did. And that's where Sweet Thistle kind of got its name as I was sweet and she was a little bit of a thistle and <laughs> um, started growing cut flowers on uh, her aunt's property in Clovis, California. And um, didn't exactly know what I was doing <laughs> to some extent, but um, I, I have an agree background. I've grown a lot of stuff. I deep roots in agriculture, um, here in California. And so I had an idea of what I was doing, but I, the scale, it's like, Oh, when you think you're growing flowers, they think I have a really nice garden, like in my backyard. Oh, yeah. No, I, I have acres of flowers. This is a little bit different than your backyard <laughs> or they oftentimes refer to it as my garden. I'm like, oh, okay. This is more than a garden. We use tractors. And so that's kind of how we got started. Um, we grew about an acre our first year in 2019 and started in February planting. Um, we're in yeah. zone 9B. A lot of flower farming is done zone, zone wise. And so um, I'm in a pretty warm zone. And then... Um, California, where we're at here in the Central Valley, gets extremely hot. So I grow flowers like zinnias, sunflowers, um, celosia, stuff that will last through the summer and can take 100 degree day heat pretty well. Um, and then 
COVID kind of hit and our farmer's markets shut down a little bit. And I created our farm stand, um, which was honestly two fruit bins, put it outside of our property. And that was a tremendous hit for us as well. And so I asked my husband if he would start growing some pumpkins and he was said, yeah. And so we had our first pumpkin patch that October. And um, we've had great success with both, like you pick flowers, um, our farm stand, but our pumpkin patch is our kind of, I don't want to say our bread and butter, but it, it is very successful because we have a true working farm. Um, I'm on a goat dairy and then I additionally there, so we have goat cheese that we make, we have the pumpkin patch and the flowers and if you asked me if goat cheese and flowers and pumpkins went together, I'd probably say no, but they absolutely do. <laughs> <laughs> so it seems like you'll have a little bit of everything there. That's so exciting. And I'm sure a lot of, a lot of hard work. Yeah, we do. So it's interesting. Fresno County is one of the top, uh, when, when you look at it from like numbers, the top ag producer really kind of the world, even, even Mm -hmm. out of California, when you look at it, we produce a lot of stuff out of this County. And I think that my consumers forget about that. I'm about 10 minutes out of town. So Fresno is kind of uh, about a million people. And so they have no idea. They, they put their cowboy boots on Trevor and they like think they're going, they are at a real farm, but (laughs) it's funny to me. It, It makes me think back to just like, humbles me a little bit to appreciate the land, the views, putting your hands in the earth. And, you know, when you plant the seed to watch it grow, that some people don't have that opportunity. And so mm-hmm. I think that's also helped with some of our growth and where we've added things and not done certain things. We don't do weddings. Um, if you look us up on Instagram, you'll be like, it's beautiful. I want to get married there. And it's, that's great. We have chickens and goats and they smell And we have emergency sometimes that might be on your special day and would ruin it. So Mm -hmm. we're open on Saturdays during our growing season. And then in October, we open up a little bit more additional, uh, additionally, um, to accommodate the pumpkin patch. That's awesome. So are you guys most busy in the fall when people are wanting to, you know, go out, go to you pick operations, go to pumpkin patches and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, because um, the last couple of years we've had really bad wildfires that have hindered us a little bit. And then um, it's not pleasant to go out when it's 100 degrees at 10 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And that happens a lot here. Um, by the time we really start growing the flowers and into April, May, June, it's pleasant then. But when you hit mid-June, t- even through August, it's it's warm. So mm-hmm. we're open at 7 a.m. to 11 on Saturdays. And then um, this last year, I put in a air-conditioned farm stand that, that's essentially a cooler Um, and that took my flowers to the next level. Um, so they'll last longer. If people come out, they can pick up goat cheese, flowers, other stuff, um, that we offer. I do CSA boxes and, and, and whatnot. And so they can pick that up and it's not melting out in the hot sun. Um, and then 
the fall primarily why we're busy is because it's nice. You can you can tolerate the heat. So what's the whole process of growing flowers? I mean, what's the season like? What is the whole planting and harvesting side of it? Because I've never really, I mean, kind of really learned about that. So what's that whole process like? Yeah, so I'll kind of start right now. We're taking down our flowers and mine's a little bit skewed because we do do pumpkins and Mm -hmm. we do Christmas trees. And so most flower farmers would already have their field cleaned up a little bit. Um, I don't get to be that punctual because I focus on the pumpkins and go into the Christmas trees. But right now um, on the farm, we're cleaning up the last year's flowers and we did some seed collecting in the summer. We do try to save seeds and grow some of those. But I grow primarily from plugs. Um, I do grow sunflowers and zinnias from seeds, but um, we order plugs from other farmers around the country here. And we take the plugs and we'll pop them in. And so I will work up the ground um, probably in January or February because we typically are planted we we grow on 100 foot rows that are about three feet wide and they're covered in like a landscape fabric mm-hmm. uh, we burn holes and then we'll i we just use our hands for the most part some other tools but um poke the holes in and um, plug the plants in it's all done by hand virtually because we're in the middle of like are you just going to be a flower farmer and grow acres of flowers or and and get larger equipment or is it a hobby and you know growing and and growing boxes and we're we're in the middle i would say mm-hmm. yeah. i i grow about 3 acres of flowers um and then we do about 25 acres of pumpkins and so back to the flowers um once we get them um the seeds ordered, we get our um, shipments in because we order it all now. Um, it'll start arriving to our farm. I think I have stuff coming in the second week of February. Depending on what the weather does, I have really heavy clay soils. I, have, I grow on two properties. I have heavy clay soils where sweet thistle is that the public comes in and, and you picks. And then behind my home, um, I have an acre there that I grow on. It's more ideal. It's a perfect loam. So the flowers are kind of night and day, even though they're 20 minutes away from each other. Mm. Um, So I can get in in my backyard a little bit earlier because it's sandy a little bit and it drains better. Um, If I get winter, kind of late thunderstorms, hail, we have to worry about hail in April here. So I try and plant a good third to a quarter of what I'm going to grow in February. And then um, starting like mid-March, I'm planting every week, um, until July, uh, successions of sunflowers, um, zinnias kind of replicating what I've already put in. So it will last until we close the last day in October. So we'll open for you pick kind of June 1st and we close October 31st. And sunflowers are primarily our best selling our most requested people really enjoy sunflowers and you have to keep them going <laughs> uh, we grow 
we grow probably about 40 different varieties. They come from like white all the way to a dark chocolate kind of red, almost dark, dark brown color that's really pretty. Um, and they can be a single stem or a branching sunflower. And so I do, a, I have to put a lot of thought in and mapping out like what we're, what we're pulling out and what we're putting back in and where we're doing it. There's a method to my madness um, wh- while we're doing it because they'll mm-hmm. shade out different things. Um, oh, okay. In that area. So, and sunflowers, we need to rotate. They don't, um, I don't plant them back to back in the same area. I'll move them over a couple rows. Oh, gotcha. Like, okay. They they suck up a lot of the nutrients um, out of the ground. And I try my best to keep the U-Pick organic, not using really anything um, besides like Dawn dish soap for aphids. Uh, mm-hmm. because I'll get people out there that want edible flowers. And so that way I can let them take it home if they rinse it off. Um, mm-hmm. The pumpkins and the flowers at the house, this year was kind of opposite. I had the flowers at the house were my organic ones because it was a new field. Um, when you have a new virgin field like that, your flowers are going to p- perform really well. Um, third year out at... Um, our sweet thistle you pick ground, I needed to add some nutrients in to help them perform a little bit better this year. And the sun, the hot, we had awful heat, like 113 degree days for- Oh shoot, that's way too uh, hot. Yeah, for five <laughs> days or so. So, and then it repeated again two weeks later. So just, it, the flowers needed a little bit extra boost. Oh, I and can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know of much that can survive very well for 113 degrees. That's a little wild. No, that's not fun. <laughs> so um, how about the pumpkin side of things? I mean, you're probably planning those out um, well in advance for the fall. So what's that whole process like? Yeah, we finally have figured out what grows really well and what doesn't here mm. um, and and what consumers want. And that's not necessarily what I want because I, <laughs> um, I love all the big, beautiful ones. But my husband takes care of most of the, the pumpkin farming and we start planting Father's Day here and we'll plant until the weekend after Fourth of July. Okay. And you know, you're planting your longer varieties at Father's Day um, and your shorter ones by that weekend after the 4th of July. And we grow, oh, I honestly think we grew about 14 different varieties this year. And that's anywhere from jack-o'-lanterns to your decorative, um, like Cinderella, fairy tale, porcelain doll type pumpkins. Our pumpkin business is made up of field trips and then people coming out to cut their own. So we're really timing the jack-o'-lantern ones for Mm -hmm. October for the kids to come out and cut their own pumpkin. Our decorative ones I use heavily. We do porch decorating um, since we're so close to the urban area there that we go into town and drop off 20 pumpkins at at people's front porches, um, businesses. And so our first year was a little rough Um, (laughs) on all levels. We really didn't know what we were doing um, at all and had some aphid infestation. Oh, no. 
Yeah, we had, well, thank goodness. We, um, our PCA came out, which their pest control advisor came out and helped my husband kind of figure out a plan on to attack it. But again, we're kind of small. We don't have like systems hooked up where you could flush it through your lines. We don't, Mm -hmm. our equipment, um, my husband farms citrus and vineyards. And so his equipment for that isn't set up for row crops. So (laughs) we were a little bit limited on what we could do. And so we kind of just did the bare minimum to make it go through and then came back this year and improved our acreage tremendously, Um, had a good game plan before and were able to grow a lot more pumpkins um, than we did the previous year. Um, and my husband keeps saying, I, I have about 20 pumpkins left. He's like, gosh, you did that perfect. Oh, wow. You know, how many to sell? I was like, no, I didn't at all. You don't <laughs> know what, what people are going to do, but it just worked out that way that that's all we have left. Yeah. Um, what we grew this year. That's perfect. And I bet people love going and picking their own pumpkins, especially kids. You get to go see where the pumpkins grown. You can pick them all. I mean, I bet that's really exciting. Oh, it's tremendous. So, you know, we we focus kind of on, on field trips for kindergarten to about second grade. Mm-hmm. Um, they really enjoyed the life cycle of it, talking about, you know, I'm a seed, we get planted, um, we get pollinated by the bees, and then we grow vines out of us. And it, it's it's interesting because I've then then we're known as like oh it's the pumpkin lady and and my husband is the pumpkin guy pumpkin farmer and so um, we also sell flowers at farmers markets and so they'll they'll always they're asking about the pumpkins and what's going on what's next at Sweet Thistle what you know we, we've evolved a little bit with like the pumpkins and now I've decided. Oh, I'm going to step back a little bit because um, I don't, I'm skipping around a little bit, but to go back to flowers, once you get them planted, then you have to cut them and harvest them and mm-hmm. um, process them, I would say, to get them to your end users. And our end user is typically um, the consumer. So somebody that's buying it to put on their table. Um, we do a little bit with some florists locally um, some wedding designers and then primarily the UPIC. So I have farmer's market and UPIC are my main channels that I'm distributing my flowers and the timing of that to make it last through farmer or make it so you have a quantity or you can make pretty bouquets to get to market. Mm-hmm. Um, and then keeping them cool. We added our cooler this year that was the game changer for us. And then, um, what do, you, what do you do afterwards with them sometimes too? If if it's a hot day at the market, people don't show up. Um, we drop them off at some retirement centers or mm-hmm. I have a few people okay. that um, the cemetery um, takes some to put out in certain places. So there, there's a couple places you can drop them off. But um, that, that portion of it also evolved this last year of just figuring out what grows well, when the timing. And so I really feel like next year will be our prime. Um, <laughs> so we've worked out a lot of the kinks in it. Um, yeah. That's not bad. I mean, that's kind of the struggle of, I mean, just starting a business, like you're trying to figure out what works for you, what doesn't, what the customers want, what they don't and all that good stuff. So it's some good growing pains, but it seems like y'all are figuring it out pretty quickly. 
we have. I I a little bit blessed in the fact when when I was at Chico State, I worked at a flower shop um, mm. on the weekends, and so okay. I have the design side skills. I did weddings for a number of years um, before I started the flower farm, and that that element of like designing flowers, making bouquets and arrangements and doing weddings. I already had that in my toolbox. Mm-hmm. Um, I get way more satisfaction of growing, like putting the seed in and watching it turn into something beautiful than arranging them. But that's part of it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, it, it, you're always going to have to like learn and evolve. Um, farmers like I don't have a huge operation um I I'm blessed that my husband's also a farmer so he has cool toys that I get to play with um or he will buy something that's he thinks is cool that will help us (laughs) on the farm um and then we have um I have a like a half-time part real part-time like 15 hours a week gal that works with us too um, to make the whole thing work, but it's it's a lot of work when you're planting, cutting, arranging, social media, like all the hats that you have to wear in business to make it work, um, and then to make it profitable to work um, as well. And so oh. I think I'm pretty fortunate. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, you've definitely got to be a jack of all trades. I mean, figure all this out and be successful. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm not afraid to pivot. Some people like, mm-hmm. oh, no, nope, I'm only going to grow flowers for a florist or I'm only going to do it for farmer's market or, you know, what what their capacity is. And and I've been willing to to move a little bit with it. I go to the farmer's markets that I enjoy where the customers want to pick up a bouquet of flowers and um our farm stand is, it's easy. You don't have to really travel very much with it there. I would say something else with flowers this, the past two years, uh, mostly when the pandemic kind of set in is the floral industry has really had some interesting um, moments because most grocery store bouquets are imported. They are from another Mm, country. Okay. Um, and based on the season, whether they're coming out of Australia, South Africa, um, Mexico, most floral flowers, though, roses out of Ecuador, just different countries, it's an imported item. And so local flowers and the movement of like slow flowers and local in general really has been kind of at the forefront, like it's, it's, they've shined, they've shined with florists Mm -hmm. this last year where they weren't able to get, you know, white has been hard all of this year. I like white flowers. So I plant quite a few different varieties of that. Um, but you, you're, you have to think ahead, like what the trends are if you're working with that industry and, it's a little trickier because florists will want everything you have. Sometimes Um, they don't care about your, you pick or what you're doing with farmer's market. And so I think that's been interesting as the industry as a whole, what I've followed with other flower farmers is the consumer kind of caring a little bit more, but the 
the middle person, the flower brokers, the wholesalers of flowers, they're reaching out to the smaller local people as well. And I, I, you know, California, you can grow anything. There are 451 different things grow here. So it's fortunate for that. But um, flowers, I, I, you can do them in greenhouses, you can do so much. And so it's been really interesting to just watch across the country as something goes out of season here, it becomes in season in Colorado and somebody's mm. hoop house that they're growing. And it's, it's been tremendous as I've just education, you're just learning a little bit more um, about what other people are doing on their operations as well. Gotcha. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And so kind of speaking to that, um, we have some questions from some listeners, which I'm really excited. I put out a little question thing on Instagram. And so we have a couple of questions for you. Um, they're about pumpkins and flowers. So the first one is from Shane. And Shane's wondering, what do you do to control mildew on pumpkins? So is that something that's pretty prevalent? Um, it is prevalent. We don't, we, so one, we grow varieties that it's, mm-hmm not as prevalent on but we use dawn dish soap in a backpack sprayer that basically it's a fancy backpack sprayer that has um air that shoots through it so Mm -hmm. the best way to describe it is basically we bought a backpack sprayer that's like an air blower and so we'll put the dawn dish soap in there and walk up and through and kind of get it up and under the leaves you just have to stay on top of it Gotcha. On a larger scale, you would use a boom sprayer and you can do the same thing, but gotcha, yeah. still walk yeah. around ours. <laughs> yeah, I've used Dawn dish soap here and that's primarily what I use for like pest control or any issues we're having in our garden. I mean, small garden, not a big operation or anything. Um, so Dawn works wonders. Um, then there's another one from Hannah about flowers. And this was a very interesting question. Um, what are some of the best ways to market flowers besides at a farmer's market? So flowers in general, what I see a lot of is subscriptions. So Mm, um, I call it like a CSA, Community Supported Agriculture subscription. And so a lot of people are doing subscriptions. Um, There are ways um, in our world today that you can ship them. So you could be shipping your flowers to um, florist. Uh, There's a number of small flower farms now, roses, maybe a little bit more than mm-hmm. cut flowers that are shipping um, their products. They're new as well, um, farmers, but the shipping is an aspect if you can get the logistics and figure that out. Um, reaching out to your wholesalers, if you're by an urban area, there's typically going to be a floral wholesaler that could pick up um, and florist. I would say you kind of have three chains and don't be afraid to go um, to your local grocery store and say, hi, I'm Hannah and I grow flowers and they more than likely can maybe work with you on what your season availability is. Um, And I guess that would be another key issue is what is your availability list? Like making yourself an availability list of what you'll have um, and sticking to kind of flower standards. They go by bunches um, Mm -hmm. versus at a farmer's market. It's a bunch, but farmer's market, you could sell by the SIM as well. So depending on what your market is, if um, 
you're you're trying to leave the farmer's market scene, I would do a membership kind of subscription and reach out to your wholesalers to buy it bulk from you um, and then retail florist type stuff. Gotcha. I really like the idea of subscriptions. I haven't heard of that before. And that's super fun. I know that's something my wife would love to have. I mean, just flowers showing up at your door every month or something. That's such a good idea. I like that. Every week, Trevor. Every week. I mean, that's even better. Yeah. Every week. Every week. Every week. I do every other week. Um, Okay. That's pretty cool. And then our last question is from an account called um, triple T milling. They do like a lot of wood milling and stuff. I love watching them. Um, so what kind of soil do pumpkins grow best in? You, you said you guys have sandy soil. So is that good for pumpkins or? Yeah. So pumpkins are not very picky. Mm-hmm. Um, they do well in our heavy clay out at our Yupik farm and they do better in a loam here. Um, but water with your pumpkins, the water is your key ingredient because as they're developing as a seed they need heavy water but once they have started to push out their um vines and they're spreading they don't need as much water so we cut it down about by half so i think knowing your soil type and then watering appropriately is your best bet with pumpkins okay gotcha so do y'all have like drip irrigation for the for the pumpkins or what kind of watering setup Um, do y'all have yes we do we bury drip it's, it's okay, very drip. very drip. Um, okay. First year we did it above. I don't recommend it. Uh, if, <laughs> if you're smaller home gardeners or if you have a, a little plot, that's great. But it, once you get past an acre or so, just bury it. Um, mm. That works the best. That's smart. Um, so when it comes to pumpkins, have y'all kind of kept a record of kind of your biggest pumpkins? Because I know big pumpkins are always kind of a fun thing to have, like farmers markets or fairs or stuff like that. So what was kind of your biggest pumpkin so far? Um, we grow some Big Macs and my husband's biggest Big Mac, I, oh gosh, I think it is 96 pounds. Oh my gosh. Um, which isn't terribly huge, but with the high heats that we get here, that's it's decent. And then I grow a white, kind of a giant white one, um, and it's called Polar Bear. Um, we get polar a lot of our pumpkin. seeds from Johnny's seeds. And yeah, okay. the Polar Bear is, <laughs> literally, my husband just like laughs at me because I'll price them way too expensive because I'm emotionally attached to like them. <laughs> beautiful. I love them <laughs> so much. And then um, uh, I didn't weigh them, but they're a bit like, they're a beautiful white pumpkin. And I would, I've, I've lifted some of them up. They have to be over 60 pounds, but they're stunning. They're a beautiful, beautiful pumpkin because you don't see giant white ones very often. And they grow really well in our clay soils. That's cool. Yeah, you really only see like the big orange pumpkins. You don't see any pretty white pumpkins all that often. Yeah, we uh, we're known at the beginning of the season. They go fast, but um, <laughs> for some of our white ones, I bet. Do you ever have any people um, that are like really big in the pumpkin carving go out there and try to find like the perfect pumpkin for them? Because I know that's like a big thing on like Food Network and stuff. Like, we'll we'll always watch shows and they'll have like these big or these perfect looking pumpkins that they do for that. I haven't. Um, I really probably need to reach out to our county fair because they at our county mm, fair okay. in Fresno is in October 
I've seen it there and you're right on the food network, but I, I haven't had any customers come out for carving pumpkins to like that next level skill, or if they have, they haven't told me about it. Um, yeah, yeah, I would say edible pumpkins. Um, we grow long Island cheese pumpkins and they make a great pie and the edible, it's edible New York or Syracuse edition. They have a great, um, pumpkin pie recipe. And so I've printed out that recipe and people come to us for that particular pumpkin to make the, their Thanksgiving pies. Um, I grow quite a few edible ones, the fairy tales, the Cinderella's, um, and then acorn butternut squash. So people really enjoy as well. That's cool. I mean, it sounds like you guys have such an awesome collection and I'm looking at your Instagram right now. And it's so fun. I mean, you can see all the pumpkins, all the people that are there having such a blast and like a bunch of little kids with the pumpkins, with the chickens. I mean, it seems like people really, really enjoy it. They do. We have repeat customers now because we've we've been there for two to three years. And um, it's nice. It's nice to see families come out and they or they'll drive by out by where we are and they're, oh, flowers or oh the pumpkins um we're getting back to christmas tree stuff and the i was at, at an exercise class this morning and they're like oh my gosh you have trees what like how did i not know that and i'm like i don't know I'm like you haven't been posting on you know they're giving me lectures on how to do my instagram this morning but i'm like oh, it's it's on there slowly we're missing this holiday called thanksgiving and it's my favorite one so i I have like mental issues with when you can start (laughs) announcing things, but yeah, we cater to families um, and let kids be kids. Um, We're fenced. So really your kids can run around uh, where we're at and hop on our tractors. Uh, The keys aren't in them obviously, but uh, (laughs) pretend to be a kid or like what it, what kids should do is be able to run around and um, touch living things and find ladybugs and bumblebees and put their hands in the soil or go pretend to be a dairy goat and walk through our creamery. Um, We've gotten away from ag education sometimes uh, that vocational stuff where we shame people for wanting to be a farmer. Um, and I absolutely follow your dreams, but at the end of the day, we all eat a meal. And I think it's really critical to know where your food comes from, who's growing it. If you want to go to that level and have a connection to it. And I shine at, (laughs) showing people where it comes from and telling that story of, you know, what our farm is, but really general California agriculture as a whole. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, I bet it's so cool just to have kids go out there or even just, I guess anybody really, they kind of see the aha moments where they're like, oh, actually this is how that's grown. And this is how it works on a farm and just stuff like that. I mean, it's such a cool opportunity to have people go out there, travel and see you and see what's going on. I'm sure it's such a great positive and educational experience. Yeah. I'll touch on one little story. We did, we do summer camps in the summer that are a day camp, I'd say. And I let the kids plant pumpkins and, uh, Seamus has rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, he's about 10 years old 
and wasn't sure if he was even going to make it because he had had some flare-ups and stuff, but he was able to come. And this kid just touched my heart. I just think the world of him. Well, his mother messaged me, we'll be at the pumpkin patch this weekend. Seamus wants to see his pumpkin. And I was like, oh gosh, like I hadn't really thought of it. And so I'm like running over and sure enough, he had four beautiful pumpkins growing on it. Um, so I kind of guarded it and hit it with other <laughs> pumpkins around and was trying to like make it avoidable um, to make sure when he got out there that he could pick a pumpkin that he grew. And so Aww. it's just those little things that you do to reach back out or to show the kid the full cycle of I planted that, I harvested it. Oh, yeah, that's so cool. That's such a fun story. And I'm, I'm sure that's something they'll remember for a long time, too. That's awesome. And that's cool to have those those little moments like that that turn out to be really big moments. Yeah, that's cool. Um, well, Sarah, this has been awesome. So if people want to learn more, you guys have a beautiful Instagram page, which is just Sweet Thistle Farms. But where else can they go to kind of learn about you guys? And especially if they're in California, if they want to go visit y'all. Yeah, so um, sweetthistlefarms.com, we have a website as well where um, you can learn about us a little bit. Instagram's probably our best way to kind of know what to day to day or what's happening that month. Um, But the website, um, Instagram and Facebook are our main ways that you can get a hold of us. Check out what's going on. Well, deal. Well, we'll link all that in the description. Sarah, it was a blast chatting with you. Um, if I'm, if I'm ever in California sometime soon and it's in the fall, you got flowers and pumpkins growing, I'm going to try to go out there. I mean, it'll be so fun to see. Yeah, please check us out. Deal. All right. Well, Sarah, thanks so much for being on. Yeah. Thank you.